some uh, tech issues this morning, so hopefully everything works smoothly uh, everywhere. If you're here in person, it should be nice and smooth, uh, but it might be a little chilly as uh, the weather has taken a turn for the cold, as it typically does this time of year, but hopefully you're doing well. Uh, hopefully you're ready to jump in this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for choosing to be at Faith this morning. There's so many other things you can always be doing, and I'm always so grateful that you choose to be here because uh, we've got some awesome activities we can be taking part in around this area on a great Sunday morning, so thank you for making faith a part of that. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about something I think we all struggle with, and maybe you maybe you have, maybe you haven't. We're going to talk about waiting, right? Anybody struggle with waiting? Yeah, me a little bit, right? Me too, me too. So today we're going to discover how to really move past the struggle and into how to wait well, all right? Before we get to that, I want to make sure you know we've got a couple of things going on. One is Faith Kids. We want to make sure you get your kids checked in downstairs. If you're in person, online, we've got a free link to send you. Uh, it's actually on our Facebook page. And we want to make sure you get that so that you can participate online as well. Also, Faith Events, this next uh, few weeks as we lead up to Christmas, one, I want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We blessed 10 families for Thanksgiving this past week, all right? So on Wednesday, yeah, there you go, thank you. So for Wednesday, we had 10 families come in. 55 individuals were able to uh, to be blessed with a full Thanksgiving dinner, including the, the pie. Thank you, Julie, for that. Uh, and it was so awesome to be able to bless them uh, with that. Also, we did a great job with our Operation Christmas Child Goal, so thank you for taking part in that this year. We're going to do something different with it next year, but this year was a great success, so thank you for that as well. And now we turn our focus fully to Christmas. So I hope you're ready for that. All right, we're going to be doing something a little bit different as a church. This year, we're going to celebrate with something we're calling Whose Christmas Is It Anyway? All <laughs> right? Uh, right? So I had to name it something, so that's the best I came up with. I'm not very creative today. So Whose Christmas Is It Anyway? Basically, we're doing a Whose Line Is It Anyway style Christmas production where uh, the adults are going to be acting out without words, just through emotions, uh, the Christmas story as the children narrate. All right? So the children narrate. The adults get stage directions as to what to do, and then they're going to go full tilt into the Christmas production. It should be interesting, to say the least, right? I'm really looking forward to it, all right? So if you want to be a part of that, I think we still need maybe one more adult, so I'd love for you to jump in on that. If you don't mind being in front of the camera, in front of people, we'd love for you to do that. If you're more support role, like, hey, I can make costumes, or I can help point people in the right direction, or whatever, let me know that too, all right? And we can get you plugged in on that as well. Just find me during the break or after the experience, and we'll make sure you get all the details you need to make sure we have an awesome time Sunday, December 19th, for whose Christmas is it anyway, all right? Also, this time of year, while it can be great in many ways, can be tough in a lot of other ways. And so we want to make sure that if you're having a hard time, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it's just emotionally, you don't not need anything financially, but maybe it's emotionally you're struggling through this time of year, the best way to get through it is getting through it with others. And so we want to encourage you for uh, multiple ways to do this. One, connect with us on a Sunday morning, in person or online. Two, make sure you know we have two groups going on. A men's group that meets every week. Right? We paused for Thanksgiving last week, but we're back this week. And a women's online devotional that goes every single day. You don't have to be in person. It's there so you can take part. And it's never too late to do those, all right? So don't think, oh, it's December. It's too late. It's not there. It's never too late, all right? Especially this time of year. Connect. Uh, encourage one another to be a part of each other's lives, even through these next few weeks as we close out the year. Also, if you are in need financially, we want to make sure you know how to be able to get assistance there. The easiest way is faithchurchct.com. There's a contact uh, page. Make sure you call us, email us, do whatever it takes. If you're ready to give, we love, love to encourage giving because that's how we do things like Thanksgiving in a box and, 
and the Christmas outreach that we're going to be doing, and then an Easter, all the things we do all year long is generated by your generosity. And not only does it, is it happening, not only do you get to t- play a part in us enacting out the gospel in day-to-day living, but it also enables uh, you to be able to showcase your talents, your gifts, your abilities that God has given you, all the things He has blessed you with, because this is, this is not all me, right? Thank God it's not all me, all right? Because I can't do half the stuff that you guys can. It's all of us working together to honor God and to bless others in our community. So thank you for your generosity all year long. Uh, but also, you have an opportunity again to extend that this morning. The easiest way to do that financially, there's baskets up front and in the back and also online, fakechurchdc.com. Click the big button. Super, super simple. You can even text to give. I don't say that enough, I guess. But if you want to text to give, it's really easy too. Just uh, text the number 84321 and then you just put in the E amount. And then that's it. That's all you got to do. And it walks you through a setup process if you don't have an account. And it's really straightforward. So I encourage you to give any way you're comfortable doing so. All right. Speaking of giving, Thanksgiving last week. Everybody had a good one? Yeah? All right. Good. Everybody enjoy themselves? Who here loves Thanksgiving? Uh, who here just is not, this is not my thing. This is not my deal. All right. There's a couple of us. All right. I get it. All right. I live, uh, you know, hundreds of miles away from my family, which I love and adore. However, I uh, some days don't miss the, the, the chance to be able to be cramped in a, in a crowdy, stuffed room and watch the people we only meet once a year. And so, uh, so there's some give and take in Thanksgiving. But I really have appreciated it since we've gotten up here uh, to be able to take a pause in the middle of the week. It's kind of like an extra Sabbath in a way. We talked about Sabbath last week, right? Kind of get to take a break to get to eat good food, to get to feast in different ways. All right? So hopefully you enjoyed yourself. But like it or not, now that Thanksgiving is over, we're into the holiday season full swing, right? This is it. And this season brings with it a heightened feeling of something wonderful for you, right? You ever get that feeling? Right? Well, maybe if you, when you're a little kid, but hopefully now, even if you're a Grinch, you can sometimes get a little bit of that feeling of like, oh man, something is coming soon, right? It's like this faint sound in the distance that you draw in you. Here in our, our, our town, it's like that train horn that you can hear all the way in New York, right? That you know, man, that train is coming slowly but surely. It's going to be here, right? It's like waiting at the airport, waiting for a friend or a family member to come off and meet you and greet you there. It's like uh, that moment right before the sun peeks out on the horizon on a, on a uh, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, you get to see the beautiful clouds and the sun peek through. It's like a promise, isn't it? About to come true. It's this heightened feeling you get this time of year. Thinking about it, Frederick Buechner, which is a great, great writer, uh, wrote this. He said, for a second, you catch a whiff in the air of some fragrance. And it reminds you of a place you've never been or a time you haven't been there. You're aware of the beating of your heart. The extraordinary thing that is about to happen is only matched by the extraordinary moment just before it happens. Advent, he says, is the name of that moment. Advent. It means something wonderful. And for many around the world, that wonderful thing is Christmas Day, right? So every kid and probably a few adults counts down to Christmas. Everybody do that. you got a calendar. You're like, oh, yeah, great. Well, here we go. All my kids do this. Every single one of them. It's like, how many days before Christmas? I get that question like five times a day, all right? Every day. How many more days? I just got it last yesterday just from Eliana. I was like, all right, we just had Thanksgiving. Can we just wait? But no, they're ready for Christmas, right? They're ready for it. They're ready for it. That one day you get the thing you've always wanted. Or you don't get, and then you beg and plead for it for your birthday, right? That's how that works. Christmas. And Christmas is wonderful. I love Christmas. But for Jesus followers, we celebrate this season of Advent, this season of, of coming, looking forward to more than just a day on the calendar. 
looking forward to the reason for the day on the calendar. And to help us get in the right mindset this year, what we're going to do is we're going to launch into a new series here in December celebrating different aspects of Advent, of the season of pain. So we're going to be talking about waiting today. We're going to talk about hope tomorrow, uh, next week, joy, and then adoration. All right? We're going to kick off this week with everyone's favorite thing to do, which is wait. All right? And to help us get off on the right foot, I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to answer it in person. When we get uh, during break, I'm going to ask it of each other. And then we're going to discuss it together online. I want you to ask it of each other and talk to me about it, too. The question is, what's the longest line you've ever waited in? What's the longest line you've ever waited in? All right? So think about that. We're going to take five. We're going to come back. Make sure you discuss it together. Grab some coffee. Use the restroom online. Make sure you answer it. We'll be back here in five minutes. All right? Let's do it.
farm you've ever been in? Anybody want to shout one out to me? Busy, Jaws. Gas line in 1974. Somebody remembers that. Motley crew ticket. Holy smokes. Gas lines in 74. What buffet? Las Vegas buffet on Christmas Eve. What do you got, Julie? Baked potato. <laughs> All right. Very cool. All right, go ahead. Oh, you got the pen. Another one, Moran, not the dead too. Uh, thumbs up for baked potatoes. All right, good. Excellent. All right, we got any online this morning, Norm? Airport security. Oh, man. Yeah, I did airport security at Atlanta. That wasn't any better. Yeah. Awesome. All right, waiting, 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 man. It's so fun, isn't it? <laughs> when it said no one ever, right? That, I'm, I'm convinced whoever said good things come to those who wait was a parent who had a kid who was just irritating the snot out of them, and they were like, it's going to be better. You just got to wait patient, right? They're just trying to get that kid to get fired. Just stop asking me when I'm going to get what I'm asking for, right? But as torturous as waiting can be, there's some positives, I think, if you look hard enough, right? Well, think back to it when you were a kid and it was this time of year, right? Try to get back there. For some of us, that was a long time ago. For some, maybe you're still there, right? Each day was filled with what? It was just this anxious but joyful anticipation, right? Filling out Christmas gifts. Watching the lights go up, right? And I'll probably have memories of that. I do, too. The lights going up in and out of the house, smelling cookies. Looking forward to when the presents are placed under the tree, right? And then obviously, what do we do, Leanne? We'll have the presents under the tree. You shake them, that's what you do. All right, I just assumed that you did, and you did that too. I didn't ask you before that. But yeah, you shake them, right? When you stay at Christmas Eve, super late, and you're like, oh man, I just can't go to sleep. I'm just, right? just this nervous ball of energy waiting to be able to tear into whatever you have. Uh, you have these parents who are sitting there building these elaborate gifts, you know, building bicycles and these, you know, battery-operated cars and things, and it's ridiculous. But, you know, each day when you're a kid builds up upon the day before, builds up upon the day before. Christmas was worth waiting for, and there was even really something special in waiting. I believe a large measure of that fun and excitement in the waiting was knowing that it was finite. Right? We know exactly how many days we have to wait until we don't have to wait anymore. Right? That makes it a little more bearable. But life waiting is a little more open-ended. Love, marriage, children, healing, justice, all those are things that are elusive and rarely have a stamp date that say, all right, that's it, waiting's over. In this season, while it can be an incredible time of joy and anticipation, it can be one where the desires of our heart really ache for more, right? Maybe you're single and waiting for somebody. Maybe you're have a strained relationship in your family and you're just looking forward to that day when you can finally have a really legitimate conversation just let it all out and really heal and repair that relationship. Maybe you had a nagging pain or an injury or, or an illness that you hope to wake up one day and it's gone and every day is a waiting to see if it's going to happen. You see, in the real world, Christmas often comes and goes without those big desires being filled. And the hardest thing to do is wait, not knowing when it's going to happen. Isn't it? So, how do we reclaim that childlike attitude, that joyful anticipation, and not just this season, but every season? How do we learn how to wait well? We're going to find our answer this morning by walking through the lives of the characters in the Christmas story. And no, 
not the one that prays 24 hours a day with the regular. We're going to talk about the original Christian story. All right, we're going to talk about Jesus, and we're going to talk about the lives of those around his birth. And the story opens with a focus not on Mary and Joseph, cute little animals and a cute little baby, and it's all set perfectly nice and clean. But not, that's not where the story opens. It actually opens with an elderly couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it. If you have a Bible app, open it there. It's also going to be on the screen. We're going to find the whole story in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. I'm not going to read all of it in detail. I encourage you to read it on your own. But I will break down pieces as we go through. And we're going to start in verse 5. Because that's actually waiting in the story of Christmas. Luke 1, 5 through 7 says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife and the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. They were older. Right? Now Luke begins this story, and he notes two things that we need to pay attention to. One, that these things took place in the days of King Herod. And two, that Zechariah and Elizabeth were old, probably beyond the age of childbirth. And they still had no child of their own. Now, you may miss this when you're reading through because we're not in the context. We're really far removed from the time that we've written. But Luke places these two things together for a reason. Both the people of Israel, at this time ruled by King Herod and the Romans, right? And Zechariah and Elizabeth at this point were waiting. They were waiting. The people have been waiting there in uh, 400 years. The whole nation was waiting 400 years for God to speak to them again. It's been 400 years since there had been a prophet or a word or anything from God. They had sacrifices. They went through the processes. They did all the things that they were supposed to do on the outside, but they still had yet to hear God speak. 400 years they went without a single thing. Because Zechariah and Elizabeth, they went their entire lives. At this point, we're not sure how long, but their entire lives waiting for I get frustrated when my Amazon package is a day late, right? So I can't imagine waiting an entire lifetime for something to happen. Much like 400 years, I think I'd be like, I'm good. You know, I don't think it's going to show up. I don't think it's going to be here. I think, I think there's a shipping container in, in you know, California that got stuck somewhere, right? It would have been hard. It would have been hard as a people, as a nation, to say, are we still a people of God, even though he hasn't spoken to us? It would have been incredibly hard for Zechariah and Elizabeth, wouldn't it? It's painful in any generation, any point in history, to not have children. But it would have been especially so in a culture where having children was a sign of blessing and not having children was a sign of being a curse. They did everything right. They honored God in all they did, yet they still never received the blessing that they were While they were waiting, this is what happened. This is the turning point of the story. While they were waiting, Luke records that Zechariah is chosen for a special priestly duty, right? Now, just so you understand the context, Zechariah was one priest out of a division that has 300 priests in it. Out of that division, there's 24 other divisions of priests, all right? So you've got to think there's a ton of priests out there. Each division would serve two weeks out of the year at the temple, the most holy place in the nation, to serve God for two weeks. And out of the 300 in that division, they would cast lots, kind of like Ron saw, to choose who would go in to the sanctuary, to the most sacred part of the temple, to be able to light the incense, which was symbolic. To, uh, the prayers of the people. 
Now, this was a spectacular honor. Very rare does someone get chosen to do this. And just out of time to do your serving. It's just not going to happen for most people in their lifetime. Most would just serve all their lives in the priesthood and never get an opportunity to do this. And I'm sure at this point, that's what Zechariah is thinking. He's saying, I'm old, I have no kids, I've been married, I've done everything right. There's no way I'm going to be chosen to be able to come in and light the incense this year. And yet, he was. He was. This would be his lifetime achievement, really. It would be the top of his biography. It would be the things he would tell his grandkids about if he had kids to tell. So the day arrived. And the family and, and the family of Zechariah and all the people gather together in the outer courts of the temple. So I want you to transport yourself back in. We did this a lot with the story time with Jesus series. Let's transport ourselves back in to the nation of Israel here at this point. That day, outside the temple, there's a multitude gathered around. For those of us who don't like crowds, you're going to have to push through it. All right? We're standing amongst a lot of people. Uh, Zechariah's family sitting outside the temple. And here's Zechariah, one man among the throng, standing out in front. And he's going to walk through. He's going to walk up to these giant, giant golden doors. Gently push them open. He's going to walk into the inner room. Imagine you're Zechariah walking into the inner room. He's the only one in the room. Footsteps echoing throughout the massive chamber with its giant elevated ceiling. What's dark inside is just a few candles lit. And he's moving quietly step by step. As he approaches, he sees this thickly embroidered curtain, beautiful curtain made of scarlet and, and blue and gold and purple cover the entrance to the, to the Holy of Holies. And he's walking up to it. And to his left is the bread of presence. And to his right is golden candlesticks. And directly in front of the curtain is this horned altar where he's going to light the incense. And Zechariah purifies it. And he waits for the signal from outside that would give a word and that would call in as the, as the sacrifice outside would go up in smoke so he would light the incense on the inside of the room. And the smoke, as he did it, began to fill the Smoke lifts, filling up, filling up to the ceiling that symbolizes the prayers of the people being lifted up outside of the room. And at this point, Zechariah is praying to himself as well. He's asking forgiveness for the sins of the people. That was his job as priest. And he's asking for his blessing. He's probably asking God to speak. Would this be the year for you to speak, God? And then right before he turned to go, he would ask one more thing. One more thing for himself. God would give him and Elizabeth a child they had been waiting for. Here he is, this close to where God's presence is supposed to be felt. He would never get any closer than this to, to God in his life. So there's no better time to ask for that one thing he really, really needs than now. He lingers, waiting just a few moments more, straining to listen. feeling of disappointment, he begins to pray and move. But as he does, something unexpected happens. In reading Luke verse 11, chapter 1, verse 11 through 13, it says, There appears to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. 
But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. Now imagine Zechariah here. Alright? Imagine this. Like angels in our day have been a little bit domesticated. So I want to set the scene a little better for you, right? We, we think of angels as pretty pictures of men and women dressed, uh, you know, in fancy clothes, maybe a white robe, they got little wings, and they're, they're, they're pretty things, right? They're, they're things we place on our tree or on the top of the tree, right? But the Bible paints a different picture. Angels are uh, powerful, battle-hardened warriors armed with swords, right? And armor on. These guys are not weak, fluffy little things floating around like in the Looney Tunes. Episode, right? This is legit. These things, these, these angels are, are prepared for battle. They're brilliantly bright, right? They're just shining with so much brightness that you can barely even see. They're standing in the presence of the Holy God. So what does Zechariah do? He's like, oh man, that's a pretty angel, right? No, he falls on his face in fear. Nothing like this had happened in his life or generations of life, right? And as he's lying on the floor, the angel says, Don't be afraid. I'm not here to harm you, but to bring you this message. Your prayer has been heard and answered. Zechariah's in disbelief. Understandably. Could it really be? Alright, imagine he's been waiting. Years of frustrated waiting. Years of aching for those words. And it happens now? And not just a child, not just any child, but a special child. The angel said he would be a prophet like Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in the a whole history of Israel, a figure who was going to be chosen specially to prepare the way for the Messiah, the chosen one, the king who would restore and redeem the whole country. This is going to be a, a really incredibly special child. He's going to usher in Jesus. Here in this moment, 400 years of waiting, God hears and speaks to Zechariah and to the people. And that brings us to our first lesson when it comes to waiting on us. Wait expecting. Knowing there will be a response. Wait expecting. So often what happens in our waiting is we get discouraged. Don't we? We're like, oh man, I'm never going to get to the end of this line, right? I'm never going to get that one thing I've been waiting for, that that lifelong love, that, that, that healing that I've been seeking for, the, all the things, that one thing that I've been waiting my life for is never going to show up. We get discouraged. That's one of the first lessons we have to learn in our journey of faith, is that faith means trust. I say it all the time, I, I always say used to, I maybe I should start saying it more, that our faith in Christ is not a blind leap. It is not just a, a jump into, oh, I hope everything turns out okay. It's a leap that takes you into a certain place. You're jumping out knowing it's not going to fall on your face. You're going to land on a hard surface. It's going to carry you where you need to be. Faith means trust. And trust takes knowing somebody's going to come through with you, even if it seems impossible. See, God's people knew. He told them himself. They wrote it down that salvation would come, that Messiah would restore and redeem. The promise was said and it was written. God had come through on His promises to His people before, time and time again, so they knew He would do it again. Yet, even so they knew it, even so they trusted it, it was still hard. It was still hard. 
Zechariah had, didn't have the promise of a child necessarily, but he was faithful. He earnestly prayed. He thought, man, God, hopefully, please bless me with this. I'm doing the right thing. And yet after years, it says that his age, it seemed unlikely, if not impossible. Yet here. Yet here. God hears and responds to both of the same things. Our world is dark and difficult. Our world is a place where we sit and see like stuff before a Bible is Right? Society struggles against itself. We struggle against ourselves, don't we? The things we know we should do versus the things we actually do. And some of us have been waiting a long time for a hurried prayer. Zechariah and Elizabeth's part in the story of Christmas is here for is a reminder and an encouragement that God does indeed hear and He does respond in His will and in His time. And though you rarely understand it, His plan is perfect. And it often stresses us, it stresses beyond us in ways that we can't imagine while we're waiting, right? Look at this. Zechariah just wants a trial. He doesn't care what it looks like, how it plays. Just, just, just give me a trial. The people are waiting for a word, anything. Just tell us something. And here God weaves both together in such a beautiful way. Zechariah gets a son that will not only bless his family, but the entire world, right? The entire nation. His story is woven into God's story. Such a beautiful thing. God blesses us beyond our imagination when we allow it to happen. We're not sitting there saying, I want it my way. In his timing and in his will, waiting expectantly, trusting that a response is coming, even though it might not be in the time that we think it should be. And when it arrives, we don't need to act like Zechariah. Here's what happens. I love the transparency of Scripture. It's all throughout the Bible. You know, if anyone, if I was writing a story of my life, I would leave out all these parts that were bad, but they don't. Luke records this for a reason. The story got passed down for a reason. He just pulls no punches here. Zechariah is a good man, but he's not perfect. Because we're going to find out why in verse 18. Verse 18 of chapter 1 says, Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? <laughs> but he says this. We'll see why I say it in a minute. How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my life is advanced in years. Right? So he finally gets the prayer, the answer to his prayer that he's been looking for. And how does he respond? He's dumbfounded, right? He's disbelieving. He's, he's just jaded at this point. He's cynical, right? I prayed for so long, and you choose out. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up with how I thought it was going to be. I'm too old. Elizabeth is nurturing chickens. This is not going to work out, right? Why now? We might not even see this child, even if it does happen, to be to come of age. We might die long before even 13. How do I know this is some cosmic prank? How do I know there wasn't something in this infant that I was just like this infant, right? Something, maybe something's going on. Right? And so we want God's answer to be in our time and in our fashion. And years of waiting can leave us in the same state as Zechariah, callous and unwelcoming. So even when God does speak, we respond with a struggle. It's like, I don't know. I don't know about this, God. I'm not sure if you've got this planned out right. Because right? I've been asking this for a long time, and you could have answered that like five years ago. 
ago, and now it's too late. So we don't need to just trust that God will respond, but that what He provides in His response is what you really need and when you really need it. Zechariah fails at this. How on earth is it going to be? What, what's going on? If an angel showed up in your room, right? If he showed up in your room, the Holy Spirit, what more sign do you need? That's what he was saying. He said, I don't know. How do I know this is going to happen? You know? Gabriel, the angel, could have said, just, just wait and see. The, you know, you'll know this is a baby coming. It's going to be fairly obvious. But he didn't, right? Or, hey, where did you, do you think I am, right? Why am I here? I don't come on a whim, right? I'm not some delusion. This is me standing here in front of you, this supernatural event. And yet he say, I need something else. <laughs> right? But we do this. Zechariah is us. We do this all the time. This is not how I thought. We got to wait expectantly and then receive what we get, whether we understand it or not. Zechariah fails. Now, the angel tells Zechariah that since he didn't believe that he'd be deaf and mute <laughs> until the baby arrives. And when you read this part of the story, you're like, man, that's kind of harsh, right? This dude's got to wait at least nine months, maybe more. He can't hear or speak. It's because he was like, I don't know, <laughs> right? That seems a little much. That seems a little much. Can't you cut a guy some slack, right? But what seems a punishment can actually be a lesson. It's actually a blessing in life for Zechariah. And it's a lesson for him and us today as well. That waiting shouldn't be passive, but active. I have these conversations, right? Whenever we're waiting, we should be using the time that we're given to prepare, to make space in our lives for God and His coming response. Think about this. If you're getting a new car and it hasn't shown up yet, what do you do? You get, if you have a garage, you go clean the garage out so you can park that baby right in that garage so it's nice and ready, right? When you're getting a new pet but it's not here yet, what do you do? You go out, you buy a pet bed, you buy the toys, you buy all the things, the food. You get everything ready for that pet to arrive. When you have the new furniture coming in, you clean out your room, you move some stuff, and like, man, that's dirty. I hadn't cleaned that in like 20 years. So you clean that out ready for the new furniture to come, right? You prepare yourself. Your waiting isn't passive. It isn't like, well, I'll just let her sit here until that pet's here. If I'll, guess I'll just wait here until that furniture sits, you know, shows up and I'll just kind of camp out. You actively wait. You do things, prepare in the waiting, right? When you're waiting for God to come through, what He's asking us to do is make room in our life for the answer. He made Zechariah, Jeff, and mute to make sure that Zechariah is going to make room. Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, for this one to come. The last sound that Zechariah hears is the voice of an angel speaking words of promise. He has at least nine months, maybe more, before he would hear another sound. So he has an opportunity to prepare himself mentally and spiritually and emotionally for the struggles and voids of parenting. Right? In some ways, you could say it was a gift that he couldn't hear. How many of you have been parents you had a child coming, and you had to have a conversation with about every person you met, right? Of like, oh, man, oh, it's so awesome to have a kid. Or, man, oh, you got a kid coming. Good luck with that, right? Golly, I've done this seven times, right? Every time. All the things you should do, all the things you shouldn't do. You know, even when it comes to the best of intentions, those conversations would be like, I'm done with this. You know, is that glad I didn't have to listen to it? <laughs> so he had a little gift, Right? Especially as being that old, you can imagine what he would get. And you're like, man, Zachariah, you're really old. Do you really think you're going to be able to handle a kid? And he didn't have to tell her any of that. It was a gift. But it was beyond not being able to hear that. What it was was be able to hang on those promises, be able to not listen to those things that fill him with anxiety, but spend 
the time wisely, soaking up the science, remembering the promise of the good news that God gave us. While we wait for God to answer, wait actively. Don't wait for God to plug up your ears to get some sleep. Right? Clean out the unhealthy, unwise things in your life when you have time to do so, so you can leave room for God to bring you the response that the Lord wants. Lastly, as Zechariah's having this holy conversation with his angel, things are happening outside, right? Okay, so the multitude's gathered. Remember, let's go back for a second. Everybody's gathered outside. Zechariah walked in. It didn't take very long to light some incense, say a prayer, and come back out, all right? So, as he's waiting out, as all the people are waiting outside, Luke 1, 21 says this, and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering, how did he delay in the temple, right? Reasonable response. You can imagine their situation, right? He wasn't supposed to be in there that long. He's old. Something might have happened to him, right? I don't know if he could have made it. If he's in there that long, so they're probably over there like, man, you, you take charge. Like, I'm not going into the temple. Like, I'm not taking because finally, by the time they all sorted out that nobody's going to go, it doesn't have to get too far. Zechariah actually starts to, to come out and go in. And after some angling, since he couldn't hear or talk, they figure out that something miraculous has happened. And talk begins to erupt, wondering what this means. Which brings us to our final point that waiting should involve others. Much too often, we leave ourselves waiting in the silence alone. Don't we? You ever have that open ended wait? That one thing you're waiting for, and you're, like, you're just carrying it. You don't tell anybody about it. You don't do anything about it other than just carry that burden all by yourself. You carry the burdens of infertility, a bad medical diagnosis, depression, all by yourself. And you cry alone at night over that same prayer, wrestling with doubt and insecurity and unbelief, and you do it unnecessarily. When we make up our minds to trust that God will respond, like we got to point one, wait expectantly that He will. When we make up our minds trusting that He will, we have to also make up our minds that we will trust those who trust Him while we wait. We skip that part. We skip that part. I've spoken to so many people, so many people that say, I, I believe in God, but you never interact with another believer. And they walk through it alone and carry burdens all their own and say, well, I'm just I hope it all turns out alright. And God has given us each other to wait in the moment together. To wait in the moment together. We have to commit to living our lives together in such a vulnerable way that we even linger with each other in waiting. Just like a friend who waits with you in the doctor's office while you wait to hear the prognosis. We should be so engaged with one another, praying, encouraging, sustaining each other in a time of waiting to hear from God. That's what we're here to do. Doing so might not make the waiting easy, but it does make it better. It does make it better. Wait expectingly, wait actively, wait in love. We often prepare for Christmas from the outside in, don't we? Putting up the decorations, doing the presents ready, doing all the things. But Advent, remembering the first coming of Christ this season, and a promise fulfilled, God coming through on what His Word said He would do, and looking forward to Jesus' second coming, which He said He was going to do, is an opportunity to prepare from the inside. So while we wait expectantly, there's something wonderful on Christmas Day this year. 
same in every family of our Let's see here this morning. Maybe you've been waiting for a long time. And you hear the story of Christmas and you hear Zechariah and Elizabeth and you think, ah, I know, I've been in that position. I'm in that position now. And I'm ready to hear. I need a response. First, know this, that God has sent His Son to save us. And our first responsibility is, is not to do anything other than choose the God who has already chosen us. That's all. Is to say, I'm done striving on my own, of waiting for, for, for things that are, that are seemingly outside my control. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. If you're ready to do that, you're going to give an opportunity to be saved just a minute. If you're not, keep coming back here every single week. Keep gathering with us. Come to the groups we have every, every week and, and online. Be part of that experience and, and, and see how we respond to the season of waiting. That, that's going to change some things. And as believers, we should respond differently, right? This should be our daily mode and practice. We should be waiting expectantly. If anybody in your life who's not a believer comes to you and says, how can you wait so patiently? How can you be so confident or joyful knowing that, hey, I'm, you're sick, right? How do you know you're going to get better? How do you know that life is going to turn around for you? How do you know these things are going to change? And you can say, I don't know how the circumstances are going to change, but I trust in the God who controls all things. So when people come to you and say, what are you you're waiting, but you're not waiting worriedly. You're not waiting with anxiety. You're not waiting with a struggle. How do you do that? How do you wait well? You can point to the story of Christmas. You can point to Zechariah and Elizabeth and say, God hears. God responds. Even now, even today. Even for me, for you. Also for believers, what I want you to do today, this morning and opportunity to get. I want you to see this season as an opportunity to linger with each other in a way. Find somebody in this church today. I want to make it a speech time. Find somebody in this space today or online today. If you're online, just the same thing. Connect with them virtually. Find a way to connect with somebody to get to know what they're waiting for. Ask that question. Say, what have you been waiting for in your life? And be vulnerable enough to answer that question honestly. Not just say, ah, well, you know, I don't know. Or, ah, I've been looking for a lamp. No. Something that's deep down in you. What have you really been waiting for? Share that with each other. Share that with each other. And don't just commiserate together. Saying, oh, man, I know I've been waiting for that same thing. It just sucks, man. It's just waiting forever. Don't do that. Don't do that. Encourage each other. God still hears. And He still responds. So in the meantime, we should be waiting together in expectation of that response. All has now all eyes gone. I encourage that. I'm not going to force you to do it, but I encourage you because I want you to be able to get in a quiet space with God mentally, spiritually here, as we gather together in His presence. Zechariah was waiting for the presence. Whoever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. I hear you. You have a good one. Oh, I hope y'all answer someday. Just in here, right now. Spirit of the Father. Thank you, Lord. 
God will be the the answer that you ultimately need. You don't respond to God. You know, we just don't do so. How you do it is you just simply pray. You simply call out to God and say words like these because here's these answers. One, thank you for waiting on me. All I've been learning.